0: If you've been uh, following us or around for these last few weeks, you know that uh, for most of the year we've been walking through the life of Jesus as told in the Gospel of John. We're about to have to hit the fast forward button because we're supposed to end up the Sunday after Easter and we've got a, a long way to go. Last week we were in John 11 and we saw the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. That miracle triggered a series of events that resulted in the crucifixion of Jesus. With the raising of Lazarus, Jesus' popularity began to soar and His enemies knew that He was becoming dangerously popular. That If He were to become too popular, then He would have such a following that uh, they would lose all their influence and they had to do something. So so they... They set in motion a, a process that would result in Jesus being betrayed, and arrested, mocked, whipped, and, and crucified. That's John 11. In John 12, we see Jesus ride into Jerusalem on a donkey uh, to the cheers of an adoring crowd. That's John 12. By Thursday though, that was on a Sunday, by Thursday night, we're in John 13, and things have taken a terrible turn for Jesus. The fickle crowd has uh, changed their opinion of him. So on Thursday night, he's hours away from his death, and so he gathers in an intimate setting in an upstairs room with his friends. Now they're not perfect friends, But they are his close circle of disciples. He gathers with them in this intimate uh, moment for the Last Supper, not just the Lord's Supper, but we call it also appropriately the the Last Supper. There were a lot of dynamics in that room, a lot of uh, elephants in the room, if you will. One was this incessant competition between his followers as to which one was the greatest. Luke, in telling the story of this event in the upstairs room on a Thursday night, said that that night, hours before Jesus would be betrayed and arrested and mocked and beaten and crucified, just hours before that, he had to put up with these insecure men with these silly games as to which one of them was was the best the greatest so the first dynamic in the room was this this silly competition uh, the second was the dirty feet of course in a day before good sanitation they walked through dirt and mud and who knows what else to get there and their feet their their shoes were just sandals which were nothing more than than a sole and a couple of pieces of leather and anybody who could afford it had a servant to wash people's feet. In fact, they wouldn't let the Jewish servants do it. They'd always, if they had a foreign servant then they would ask the foreign servant to do that. It was so demeaning. And if a a homeowner could not afford a servant, then at least he would lower himself to perform that demeaning task of washing his guest's feet. But in in that room, again with this silly competition going on as to which one was greatest, not one of them was going to perform such a menial task, such a dirty task as washing people's feet. So there was this incessant competition. There there was the dirty feet. Uh, There was uh, the fact that Judas was going to deny Jesus or betray Jesus. Peter was going to deny Jesus. And Jesus knew both. So that was hanging in the air. And then the fourth dynamic in the room was the The tension that was in the air, the conflict that was just beneath the surface. The disciples we know were wondering, was Jesus unduly jeopardizing their safety? Was He putting them at risk inappropriately? And and of course He knew how tenuous their commitment to Him was. So there was tension in the room, conflict just beneath the surface. With all those things going on, the Who's the greatest and the conflict and the dirty feet and Peter and Judas about to do their deeds? Jesus addressed every elephant in the room when he he got down on the floor and took off their sandals and washed their feet. And in that simple act, uh, he redefined greatness. Greatness. Then He said, go and do likewise. If you will do this, He said, it will be good for you. You will be blessed or happy or it will be good for you. So, He leaves with us uh, this mandate to wash each other's feet. How many of you, raise your hand, did did anybody here grow up in a church or maybe you've been a part of a a foot washing service in a church? Anybody, raise your hand. There are several several of you. I didn't grow up in that kind of church, but I've been a part of several foot washing services in college, and then among some fellow ministers, I've been probably a handful of times participating in a, a foot washing service. And it, it might sound odd to those of you who've never participated, but it's actually a beautiful, meaningful experience. But we don't here, at least we don't, we don't do the foot washing like we do the Lord's Supper and like we do baptism. So, what would it mean to be a foot washing of people? What would it mean to carry this sentiment, this mandate, this mindset to everyday life? What would it mean to be people with a foot-washing mentality? Well, Jesus gave us some hints that Thursday evening in an upstairs room. Number one, handle conflict with a servant spirit. Handle conflict with a servant spirit. It doesn't mean avoid conflict. It does mean, though, realizing that that fighting dirty is not a Christian option. It means that slinging mud is not a Christian option. It means that taking the low road is not a Christian option. It means that low blows are not a Christian option. It means we must not sell our souls to the devil even for righteous causes. Have to handle conflict in, in, with a servant heart. That means things like um, remembering that winning at all costs is not, a, is not a Christian attitude. It means that no end justifies uh, the nasty Means toward that end It means, Fred Smith said, if I cannot win in the spirit of Christ I should lose I think he is right, I don't care what the cause is If I have to lower myself to something sub-Christian In order to win the conflict, even if I'm right in the conflict Then I should lose a foot-washing mentality says, I will handle conflict with a servant spirit. Now, that does not mean that we allow ourselves to be manipulated. It does not mean that we excuse bad behavior. It does not mean that we, that we become doormats. It does not mean that we let people burden us with these unreasonable demands that people would, would want to place on us. It does, though, mean... That we ought to handle conflict with a servant spirit. Reggie McNeil talked about a man he called Andy. I don't know who Andy was, but Andy was the head of a large Christian organization. And there was an attempted organizational coup. There were these three members of the board that wanted to fire Andy and take over the organization. Well, Andy was fighting mad. But as the, the big board meeting, the summit of the board approached, Andy's heart began to soften. And so Andy showed up at the big board meeting with a basin and water and a towel. And Andy went around and washed the feet of every member of the board, including those three rogue members who wanted to oust him and take over the organization. Well, the, the sentiment of the board began to change. They didn't take over the they saved, the, the organization was saved. Reggie McNeil said that was, a, that was not an uncharacteristic move on Andy's part to wash their feet. Now, I can't promise you, every t- if you handle conflict with a servant spirit, it'll always end up so rosy. But I will tell you this that Jesus handled conflict with a servant spirit. He didn't avoid conflict. Remember the temple and the money changers? But it is wrong to sell our soul even for a righteous cause. And no end, no matter how good, justifies nasty means. Handle a footwashing mentality handles conflict with a servant spirit. Two. A footwashing mentality treats people who are on a lower rung of the socioeconomic ladder than we. Or people who are at a, at a lower place on your organization's org chart than you with dignity and respect. You know, we, we have the ladders, right? I mean, society establishes these ladders and, and different rungs of the ladder and put each of us on a certain rung. And so, there are people on a lower rung of the ladder uh, than you are at, the, or, at your office at the org, on the org chart. There are people at a lower station than, than you are than you are. A foot washing mentality treats people on lower rungs of the ladder with the dignity and respect that they deserve. A foot washing mentality listens to people who are beneath us, listens to their questions, their concerns without without letting our egos get in the way. Treating people with respect at lower levels of the ladder means beholding them. Mark 10, 21, the Bible says, Jesus beheld the man and loved him. To behold him is to hold him or her in your sight and in your heart long enough to see the image of God in him or her. To behold someone is to, is to know their name, to know the name of the cleaning lady as well as we know the name of the CEO and the chairman of the board. To behold someone is to see in them the image of God so clearly that we treat them with the dignity and respect that they deserve even if they are at a lower on a lower rung of the proverbial ladder. A foot washing mentality, even if we don't literally wash people's feet, it means treating people with the dignity and respect that they deserve. So handle conflict with a servant spirit. Treat people who are at a lower rung of the ladder with dignity and respect. Third, be kind to those who have violated your trust and lost your respect. Be kind to people who have violated your trust and lost your respect. Jesus Jesus washed Judas's feet let that sink in just before Judas betrayed him Jesus washed his feet I would have either skipped him or maybe even slapped him but I wouldn't have washed his feet Jesus washed Judas's feet I was 22 and I was in a contentious meeting I was by far the youngest and least influential in that meeting. There were only four of us there and I'm ashamed to say it was a church meeting. There was one in the room whom I believed to be head and shoulders above the other two in terms of morality, character, even social standing. They were not his match. They were not his equal. But I watched him handle them with grace and kindness. He didn't avoid conflict, he didn't let them manipulate him, and he didn't excuse bad behavior. But I saw him be gracious to people who had violated his trust and had lost his respect. Now it got to him. As we were leaving, he said quietly to me, I'm tired of getting run over by people who are smaller than I am. That was almost 40 years ago, I still remember that sentence it had gotten under his skin he had to bite his tongue he had to he had to go deep to find grace but he did there are people who have violated your trust and there are people who have lost your respect a foot washing mentality treats them graciously now I know that that's risky and I know that makes you vulnerable. I know what it means when people say, don't let them see you sweat. I know what it means when people say, don't let them taste blood in the water. And the truth is, if you act generously toward people who are not generous to you, if you act kindly toward people who are not kind to you, if you respect people who have, who's, res- who've, you've lost, no, let me have my, if you treat people with respect, and, and you've lost, they've lost your respect, I, is that right? Did I get that right? You don't respect them anymore. But you still treat them with respect. You are vulnerable. They might come after you. It, that's why if I'd been Jesus, when it came to Judas, I would have I played the power card. I would have said, Judas, remember when I took Lazarus out of the grave? Well, I can put you in one. Don't mess with me. (laughs) But Jesus, don't you imagine Judas smelled blood in the water? Don't you imagine Judas thought, well, maybe he ain't as strong as I thought. A foot washing mentality is willing to, to be kind To people who've lost your, who violated your trust and and lost your respect. To make it clear, Jesus said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them who hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Be kind to those who have violated your trust and lost your respect. Handle conflict with a servant spirit. When you meet somebody that society has placed on a lower rung of the ladder than you, treat them with the respect that they deserve. And be kind to people who violated your trust and lost your respect. Number four, act humbly when no one is looking. Act humbly when no one is looking. That night, in the upstairs room, there were no press, there were no spotlights. Jesus was just Jesus, and he washed their feet. now that 's not unusual for Jesus, it is for us, because if we are going to do something uh, an act of service by nature, we want people to note it, to notice it. A few years ago, I did something called the Plunge." It was uh, We were living in Richmond, Virginia, and uh, there was a ministry called Caritas that was a ministry to people who are experiencing homelessness. The plunge was a 30-hour experience. And uh, so we began early one afternoon. We went that evening. We had dinner together. We, We slept in a big room at a church. There were six of us from our church that did this. But we were in another church, a big fellowship hall. As I recall, there were a bunch of people on cots in there and then we got up the next day. They took us to downtown Richmond, and we were on our own for the day. Well, by midday, the second day, I was in—I was alone in Monroe Park, which is where the people experiencing homelessness tended to hang out. And I—I um, I took my little sack lunch. I had not looked in there, but when I looked in there, I was pleasantly surprised. There was a little. Uh, carton of juice, and there was a sandwich, and some chips, and a couple of cookies, and a banana. And I thought, hey, you know, that's, that's pretty good. And so, I was going to enjoy my lunch in the park. And just as I dug in, Popeye pulled up on his bicycle. Now, I had met Popeye earlier that morning. And somebody had said, now Popeye's a really nice guy, and he kind of looks out for the other homeless people. Popeye lived in a cemetery Uh, excuse me, in the woods behind the Richmond Cemetery. And I was just digging into my lunch when Popeye rode up on his bicycle. And I thought, what terrible timing. I figured Popeye probably didn't have a lot to eat. And I I knew that evening we were going to the Fairchild's. The six of us who were doing this were going to go. The Fairchild's had said we could come over and have dinner at their place. So I knew I was going to have a big dinner that night. And so I ate half my sandwich and I took half that sandwich and I gave the rest to Popeye. So he ate half my sandwich and all my chips and cookies and my banana and drank my juice. But you know, I kind of felt, I kind of felt good about myself. I I felt like my heart grew a little bit, like my character became a little deeper because I was sharing with with this homeless guy. And then... uh, Afternoon passed, we sh- all, all six of us went to the Fairchild's for dinner. We were reliving the day, you know, debriefing, talking about events that had been interesting or meaningful to us. And I thought about that about share- when I shared my lunch with Popeye. But as soon as I had that thought, immediately I had a second thought. It was like a little voice said, don't say anything about it. Don't tell anybody about it. Don't share that story. Just keep your mouth closed. But I couldn't help myself. So in a casual way, as if this were just second nature for me, I shared that I had shared my lunch with this guy named Popeye. And as soon as I said that, as soon as I told that story, I felt like the Grinch. My heart shrank just one one size. Suddenly I felt a little shallow. And whatever joy I had gained from sharing my lunch with a homeless guy was gone because I just wanted somebody to know. Our nature... Richard Foster says, our, our, our nature resists service, but it screams against secret service. We, if we're going to do something good for somebody, we want somebody to know, to notice us. So what if, if there's someone who's experiencing some sort of financial problem, what if we were to help them anonymously? Nobody knows. What if we're in the workroom at, at the office and, and we spill something, nobody's in there? And instead of thinking, you know, that's what the custodians are for, what if we were to clean up our own mess? What if, what if there's somebody who's been knocked down by life and we, we decide to give them a hand up and not let anybody know? A foot-washing mentality follows the example of Jesus and does things for people even when nobody knows. A foot-washing mentality handles conflict, with a servant spirit and and does secret service and and treats people with respect, even those on a lower rung the society's ladder and and even, even is kind to those who have violated our trust and lost our respect. So Jesus washed their feet and then he said, it will be good for you. You will be blessed. If you do this The word blessed there Is the word for happy And in Greek mythology There is a group of isles Called the happy isles Or the isles of blessedness And it's the same word That Jesus used to say if you do this you'll be blessed or happy and the reason in Greek mythology the reason they're called the happy isles is because it was believed that everything one needed for happiness was right there. You wouldn't have to go anywhere. The beauty, the natural resources, everything one could need or desire was right there in those happy isles. Jesus said if you have a servant mentality, if you have a foot washing mentality, then, then that's where real joy is. That's all you need. You don't need trophies, you don't need big bank accounts, you don't need recognition. We're wired to find joy in a foot washing mentality. Now, I'm going to confess to you that several years ago, I took what's called a, um, a spiritual needs excuse, spiritual gifts. Assessment, where I answered questions filled out a form and you know the results told me what my spiritual gifts are I was embarrassed when I got it back because the spiritual gift of service was way down my list now that doesn't mean I can just ignore the call to service and say well you know that's not my gift that would be a cop out But it does mean I have to work extra hard at it. So I've made a decision this week. I picked one of those four things that I shared with you. And I'm gonna share that with a close friend for the sake of accountability. And I'm going, uh, I'm gonna embrace a foot washing mentality. You see the stories and see the statistics about the Christian faith in our country, about church attendance in our country. You see that with every generation, it seems that that fewer and fewer are claiming uh, to follow Jesus. I'm afraid part of that is because Christians uh, seem more intent on winning Than on serving. Maybe that's one reason that people don't understand Jesus well. Because maybe there are too many of us who don't have a a foot washing mentality. So let's let's go wash people's feet. We'll be blessed. There might be more people who choose to follow Jesus.